0: This is episode number 318, Can Live In Your Story, Make You An Outcast, with Scott Mason. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you To help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to make a few quick announcements. First, one being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming event in Austin, Texas called Survive to Thrive. Face your fears. What this is, if this is your first time hearing about it, is a three day experience starting on September 23rd where you will get a chance to hear stories from speakers from all over the world, as well as be a part of breakout sessions that are intended to help you identify the origins of your fears and transform them into strengths. If you'd like to know more details regarding this upcoming experience, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our work, and that is if our work has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our cause by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous Conversations. Now, let's get back to the show, Mister Mason. It is. It's been a be long back. time.
1: I know, and, <laughs> but you know what? I was first of all, I was thinking about this event coming up, and it is so exciting. There is so much going on. Um, I, 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 anyone who is going to go to that is going to just leave utterly transformed. And I am so glad that that's happening. And i and I'm, I just can't wait.
0: Yeah, I'm the same way and I've realized this and I don't know what how it is for you, but I, I've realized that all of us have our fears yeah. at, at I think every given moment. And I oh, think yeah. the only way that I've been able to identify the fears is actually through something that Casey had shared with us or with me a little while ago. And that's the only way to do it is to shine a light on them mm-hmm. and to so understand true. what are those fears. It's like trying to solve a problem without knowing what the problem is i
1: don't think it's possible and i'm going to be really candid with you about this and keep Mm. it real Uh, you know there's a part of me every time i come on this show Mm -hmm. or anything else that you in particular host there's a little bit of fear because i know that you dive deep i know that you don't settle for easy answers i know that your questions require reflection and there is always that fear when i step into it will he ask something that i can't answer will mm. i sound foolish when i give that answer will i give a wrong answer going mm. back to the theme of this episode will i give an answer that will turn me into an outcast because as you said True. at the top of the hour, these things are being preserved and, and they are part of your legacy. Mm-hmm. And by me being on them, I'm stepping into your legacy and being a part of it. But I'm also putting myself out there as potentially um, saying something that my fears ultimately end up looking back, uh, you know, having been justified. Yeah. Bye.
0: Well, that brings up a really, very interesting question, at least for me. And once again, there's no right, there's no wrong answer. They're just whatever answer, right? Based on the, based on the current perspectives to yeah. hopefully ease the, <laughs> ease the pressure of it uh, all. I don't know, I'm <laughs> quaking. <quicken. laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm curious, just based on your experience and what you've been through so far, do you feel like an outcast considering the path that you're taking, which is that may be a drastically different path but it's for sure a different path compared to most you and i similar have similar paths in life and i'm i'm yeah. curious to hear from you do you feel like an outcast in having chosen this path
1: due to the nature of my personality my suspicion mm-hmm. is that very few people would outright to my face shun me because Mm. of my professional choices. However, that doesn't mean that they are not judging inside. I have seen the nature of many of my relationships change. I have seen people that I thought were close to me or that would be there with me no matter what, or that I thought would support me not be there, I have been dropped. And in some cases, I've tried to keep in touch with those people or I've said, oh, let's get together or whatever. And they've made it clear that they're not interested or that they are not supporting what I'm doing. There have been other situations in which I've spoken to people and they just have failed to comprehend what I'm doing. You get sort of a slack-jawed look or you'll just get no response and they just move on because it's something that's not relatable to them. I do think that humans are, as an evolutionary matter, part of the reason why we have succeeded as a species is because of our social nature. And part of a social nature is being able to identify what's a threat and what's not, what is potentially contaminating a group from a biological perspective or from a social perspective, and then moving to, discern that contaminant from the purity of the larger group um, so that that group's purity and success could be maintained. And so it is a certain part of human nature to pull away from that which they are unfamiliar with or which they view in whatever way as risky. Uh, And because we are doing something that involves risk, that is different than the majority of people do, and that is charting a course that's non-traditional, yes i'll also add just very briefly sometimes i suspect that some of the turnaway that i've experienced is because also in stepping into a life that is really based on a sense of mission purpose and doing what i am meant to do as opposed to what society says that i should do and just what society says you should do oleg or anyone similarly situated to us we're going to also trigger Fear within others, and sometimes when we have fear, rather than address that, it's easier to project that onto the other person and ostracize it or remove it from your yeah. from your metaphorical sight.
0: You know, one thing that I've learned through my journey in regard to this concept, outcast, is having chosen a different path, similar path to yours, as well as I'm sure many other people in this in this lifetime is that part of feeling like an outcast, there's a great level of fear associated with it. And I I don't know if that's a fear on a daily basis that we as people encounter the, the ones that do choose a different path. And if so, how do we kind of make peace with it? How do we transform it? That's what I've always been curious by people who are entrepreneurs or choose to go out on their own for in whatever Uh, field. That is not perceived the common path. Most people, and it's not to say one path is better than the other. It's just, you know, it's just the reality of life. Yeah. And I've been wondering and curious, how do people process that? How do people process that fear? Like, Do you experience that fear? Do Do you still experience that fear? Haven't been in this role for however long that you've been?
1: Absolutely. And it's actually something that I've been thinking about lately. When you choose to become not only an entrepreneur and follow a path that the overwhelming majority of people in your society choose not to follow, because entrepreneurs are a small minority, relatively speaking, of the larger workforce, in the, you know, at least in the United States and probably in the world, not only are we choosing to pursue that, but we're choosing to pursue a minority position within entrepreneurship. And we're choosing a type of entrepreneurship, speaking, podcasting, uh, content creation, all of which puts us in the public eye if we have any success at all. Honestly, even if we fail, we're in the public eye. It just might be that the (laughs) the, the size of that public eye is a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. But if we succeed, we will be in the public eye. And so our failures or our the days when we make fools of ourselves or the things, the days we are controversial or looking really raggedy or walk on the screen and have a booger hanging out of our nose. All of those are amplified uh, to a very, very d- dramatic extent. I see a wife in your
0: nose. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we've got to watch out after the appearance. I
1: know. Oh, there is a reason
0: is- why certain things are brought to your awareness.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, what is that big red thing hanging between our teeth? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> But in any event, there is fear associated with that because people view you as strange or they're going to view you as separate from them because they know that they're not doing that. Now, how does that relate to the fear of living in and stepping into our lives on how do you how do we deal with it? I've been thinking a lot lately about the fact that I'm just going to, and this has been a, a recent revelation on my part, like which is that I'm actually going to lean into it. Don't into it. The very things that make us want to be who and what we are in this respect are things that um, are, are related to the things that make us believe that we're capable of standing out in order to succeed. And so part of me has been blunt inside about this recently. I can't have it both ways. I can't want to stand out and at the same time be afraid of standing out maybe that fear or maybe that insecurity or maybe whatever else that is can be sold to something that ultimately drives me but i'm going to lean into it going to lean into everything that comes with it and enjoy it too and then um see what happens and accept that i don't know what's going to happen Mm -hmm. and it may lead to another adventure It may lead to me failing spectacularly and publicly. Do I fear that? I'd be lying if I said I don't. But on the other hand, every time I've crashed and burned in life, I've somehow, because of that, managed to reemerge into something even better than before. Mm. And at some point, each of us as entrepreneurs, particularly those of us who are entrepreneurs in the public space, have to be willing to have confidence based on what's happened before that no matter what we do unless we do something that's criminal or so evil that we don't justify it ever 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 re-emerging but Mm -hmm. so long as it's just us failing that that pattern of re-emerging will happen again and why is it likely to happen again and why can i say that with some certainty even in my darkest moments of fear is because the practice of re-emerging is something or the 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 constant reemergence is something that we have had practice with and when you practice something over and over you get better and better at it and it becomes second nature Reemergence from failure from the catastrophic downturns is something i've had a lot of practice at mhm i'm getting good I f- at it
0: i found the same exact thing i think through my experience i've learned that the more experience i gained in this whole process of reemerging or uh, Shape shifting—I think another term you might have used. It, 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 I think it's it is possible, but it has taken me at—I uh, don't know—however many experiences to make it believable. The fact that I could do it from one time to another, because not every set of circumstances is the same, right? Not every bankruptcy is the same. Not every time where you don't have whatever is the same. And i find that in in this case it it really does become a skill that can be applicable across all different events and the other thing that you mentioned that i find very interesting is the whole concept (laughs) at the at the beginning of what you mentioned and that's us choosing a i guess you could say a minority portion within a larger entrepreneur space and then even a smaller piece of the pie within that i'm curious when it comes to the celebration of some of the entrepreneurs in today's day and age, yeah. is the reason why they're celebrated with the degree that they are, is that because of what you just described a couple minutes ago? The fact that they are considered a minority within a significantly larger space of business, is that would, would you say that's one of the reasons why they're giving the attention that they are?
1: I would say that I would say a lot of it is presumably the most celebrated ones either have a public persona that is magnetic, or they have created some sort of innovation that is so unbelievably transformative that, frankly, the outcome of their entrepreneurial journey, what they've given to the public is itself independently worth celebrating and worth getting acknowledgement about. But I would argue that, yes, that probably is true. Look in entrepreneurship, particularly in the space of entrepreneurship, where there is any sort of disruption occurring or any sort of putting yourself out there in a way that is seeking to bring about change, whether it's personal or technological or in any other space. You're going to be wanting to you're going to be in a minority because most people aren't disrupting. If everyone was disrupting all the time, our society, our daily lives, the very existence of our culture would be at risk of descending into complete chaos. And so I think that, and I and I don't just think it, I think it it goes without saying that. A society that is in complete chaos is a society that is not functioning, just as much as a human being whose entire life is in chaos Mm -hmm. is one that is inherently dysfunctional. So the ability of a society to function as well as an individual to function in a healthy manner has to sort of walk that thin line between maintaining order and stability But at the same time, adapting and changing so that it can not necessarily be undone by the changed circumstances that just the randomness of life brings into the world. And so really, if you think about it, it has to be that only a minority of individuals within any social group can be disruptive or can be agents of transformation and change. And the mere fact of abnormality, for the reasons that we discussed earlier, that a society has a strong sense of what is normal or not, what its norms are, simply enabled in order to be able to determine what's a threat or not, is going to view abnormality in a way that uh, that warrants extra attention. Now, ultimately, because of our reasoning capacity or because of the outcomes that are perceived by a particular type of abnormality, then the response may move from hostility and and, uh, externalization of a negativity bias into celebration because it's making that society more and more stable or better and better able to withstand the changing vicissitudes of the world Mm -hmm. And so to me, that's the root of the celebration of that minority. But Mm -hmm. I think that as to why uh, the very nature of abnormality and the drive that social beings have to maintain stability of the social unit, that's ultimately behind the phenomena that you're talking about.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've always been curious about this, why certain roles are more celebrated than others, because – and clearly there are accomplishments taking place every single day across probably numerous careers. And yet it's only these handful of careers that are giving the attention that they are whenever a certain level of success is reached. And I've always tried to understand, like, where, why does that happen the way it is? And, and I mean, I think there are probably plenty of other factors that we're not even listing here. I think there's probably some sort of – um correlation between success and money right when you hear someone make a public sale or whatever it is that's celebrated because it's uncommon maybe that's another factor is because it's an uncommon thing so therefore it's celebrated in a way that we don't even know or we can't expect it because no one really knew this was going to happen to begin
1: with one other factor that's out there and i love the fact that you consistently frame your questions in terms of, I don't understand, mm-hmm. or I never understood. Because what you're doing there, this is one of your many great gifts, Oleg, is acknowledging the intellectual limitation within. And these intellectual limitations are things that we all have. Just many of us are reluctant to acknowledge them. Why am I harping on that particular point? Because one of the biases that it's conceivable that people walking into our space have is the bias towards assuming that others actually want what we want.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Right. We both are driven by mission and being driven by mission means that from our perspective considering our skill sets we have a desire to be in the public eye so that our mission so that our message can be projected in the world and so that what we as the avatars of that mission can do change can actually occur Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but many people we may not understand because of our own intellectual and emotional limitations The boundaries of our light cones may not be shared by a lot of people a lot of people may feel like they have no message or they have no desire to have a message or that having a message is itself strange or weird and so they therefore may not want to ever be in the public eye or they may simply be people that like being living a life anonymously i dated someone like that his dream was to be as anonymous as possible And that is a space then where you're not going to get celebrated because generally public celebration and tribute does not go to individuals who do things that are completely ordinary or that are completely outside of any desire to be acknowledged. Because once you are getting that acknowledgement, you're stepping out of anonymity.
0: Do you think the celebration is a necessary component or not necessary component, but do you think it is a critical component of a human experience to be celebrated and to celebrate others? Or is that something that we just may make up in our minds?
1: I do. I think that in a perfect world, Mm -hmm. it would be a regular part of the human experience. I say that with a caveat and with an explanation. I do believe that there are people who genuinely don't want to have their accomplishments or their good works celebrated. I'll never forget, there was an award ceremony that I was at that my college had and it was giving awards to people that were groundbreaking allies, or maybe members of, I don't remember which, of the LGBTQ community, and there was a professor of that college who got that award, and I, based on his reaction, he did not know he was getting that award, or if he did know, he was not comfortable with the public acknowledgement of it. He, when he got up and got the award, I'll never forget it, he was plainly annoyed that he had to go up there and walk that little area up to the podium to take that award and get Mm -hmm. publicly acknowledged. And then he raced and sat down back in his safe little seat as quickly as he could. I thought, by the way, it was one of the most endearing things that I'd ever seen. He clearly, just just that lack of ego and that, uh, that, I, I know I did these things, but I just did them because they were right, which is what I remember him saying, really, really affected me. Um, So I I think that when I say it should be a part of the human experience, I caveat that with it should be insofar as someone actually wants to get it. Maybe it should be even if they don't want to get it because it incentivizes the people who are watching that person receive it to potentially get those awards. So maybe it's bigger than what the individual thinks. So maybe my caveat itself is a caveat to that caveat. However, I say it should be because your question was. Is it? Yeah. It ain't. hmm We totally well, live it. in a culture where people like to rip each other down. We, we both
0: know that. Yeah, and, and I think going back to your story, that what I've learned through my experience is that not many people want to have the spotlight on them, regardless of what the circumstances might be. It could be a family setting. It could be a large event. Wh- whatever it is, that's something that I've learned relatively quickly. Is not many people want to be, quote unquote, center of attention, and yet it's also fascinating how there's the complete opposite group of individuals who do want to be that, who do desire for those things. So I've, I guess in a way, maybe you could even make the argument that the term outcast, depending on who you are, you could be one, right? Well,
1: and what would an outcast look like to you?
0: Exactly. Oh, like I mean,
1: I, I like throwing the question back at you how does one experience being an outcast and in high school, I hung out with the outcasts, but thinking about it, were we outcasts if we were our own social group and hanging out together? (laughs) I mean, that's just a matter of definition. Maybe the jocks and and cheerleaders that weren't geeky enough (laughs) to join our clique were the real outcasts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think what I'm, what I'm choosing to take away from this is an outcast a, it's probably all a matter of perspective and, Be depending on how I'm looking at it, I could be an outcast at any given moment or I could be a part of that group. And I I think if anything, maybe the outcast truly just stems from the fact that it's different from the way that you're seeing it, period. Because, I mean, we weren't always entrepreneurs. We weren't always public speakers. And I'm sure that if we were to go back in time, it's probably fair to assume that we might have viewed those individuals as outcasts. Because all of the other careers and professions that were presented to us were not any of those things. Those things we had to figure out on our own. I mean, really think about it. When we were in high school or college, did you ever have a conversation with someone who told you the fact that you could actually be a public speaker as a profession? No. You could be a coach. You could be a podcast host and still have a career out of those things. I didn't have a single career advisor. I didn't have a single course. I didn't, I actually can't even recall a single conversation. I had to go and find these things on my own. How did I do it? I have no idea. I have no idea how I landed in these spaces. <laughs> right? Like, how did yeah. I land into the world of podcasting? Well, I started listening to podcasts, which at first I thought, a lot of the podcasts were outcasters because they I mean, very few people listened to podcasts ten years ago. Yeah. yeah. And it's only in the past five, I would say, that the podcast really grew into a form of a medium. Yeah. So now more people listen to it and now I think it's become more acceptable as a a medium, something that we accept in today's day and age and something that we actually I think to a degree probably acknowledged as a possible career although i don't think it's still fully there i think when at when most at least when most people ask me or whoever else can you actually make a living from this of course you have plenty of people that do it yes they- joe rogan tim ferris los house yeah tony robbins whoever yeah because of the platforms that they've built so The fact that I think a lot of people still still don't understand it, and maybe that goes back to the point that we made earlier. probably starts with the individual understanding, and then from there, once it becomes a more acceptable term in the society, that's where I think the term outcast transforms
1: into something else. If podcasting and speaking, though, became something that everyone did, would that be something that you still would want to do? That's a good question.
0: I think so. I, I think so to a degree. I mean, I, it this actually does add me fuel to my day. This gives me tremendous meaning and purpose. So, I don't think I do many things just to go against the grain because I do believe that in certain situations there is a reason why majority of people do it, right? There is a reason why I remember a friend of mine pointing this out to me brilliantly. We're going on a hike in I think it was Ecuador, and we were hiking along this path, and he had told me this story. He said, think about it this way. There's a reason why X number of people voted X, Y, and Z destination as the top one to visit. Right. Right? And it's not so because the, of the garbage. It, yeah, exactly. So as much as there are examples where, yes, X number of people voted for it, and it's not the best thing for me, there's also, I think, a reason for the opposite. There is a reason why a place like the Grand Canyon, like Machu Picchu, like New York City are some of the best destinations to visit and to go sightseeing and to explore whatever else that you want to explore. So, yeah, I think to a degree, I would still want to do those things because I I don't personally feel like I'm going against the grain. I don't feel like I'm in a space where I'm trying to prove someone wrong. I think if I was, then I would probably turn to a different profession. But I think for me, how I understand it is that comes from a place of anger, some sort of resentment, wanting to prove someone wrong. And the only reason why I can say that is because I've lived part of that life. I've been there. When I was first starting off as an entrepreneur, business owner, 100%, I remember hundreds of people telling me, you'll not make it. This will not work. I don't understand. And a lot of those statements are not the most positive statements. You can encounter on a daily basis. But I know one thing that I wanted to actually dive into briefly as we wrap up today's conversation is something that you've been doing. And I know that you have a webinar coming up in regard to this, which I think is very closely related to today's topic, Mm -hmm. and that's finding ways to transition into professional careers or making professional careers out of your passions and the things that the, the things that are actually your strength. So I wanted to just briefly touch upon and see if you can expand upon it. And then also touch upon briefly. When is that next part coming up? Cause I thank think you it's, so com- much. it's happening soon, right?
1: Yeah. Thank you. So the webinar series that you're talking about is a free webinar series. It's been a four part series. that goes as to finding professional freedom. And that's, you pretty much have captured what I'm talking about. It is looking at the toxic myths that we tell ourselves that, keep us in life situations that are actual prisons where we're not completely fulfilled and self-expressing in the world and then learning how to dislodge those toxic myths to rebuild a new mythological foundation a new set of stories a book of myths about your future that really constitutes a vision for tomorrow then igniting the your inner charisma around it so you can build a plan and attack it with real energy to ultimately change your life path and find professional freedom which is something i've done myself it can be done it's a process it's hard there are ways to do it that can make it easier But talking about, going back to something we said earlier, why have I been leaning into uh, exactly all of those things that I'm afraid of as I step further and further into my path? Because that, in a way, is embracing freedom. When you are free, you have more opportunity. You have more choices. You have the ability to self-express more fully. With that comes more risk, the possibility of being an outcast. But if you embrace that fear, if I say to myself, Scott, I might just be an outcast. So what? I'm going to have a doggone good time doing it. Then you truly. Experience freedom.
0: Yeah, and I'll agree with you. I do. I wholeheartedly believe it's possible. It's not an overnight. It's a process. For some people, it is a lengthy process, myself included, going into this for four to five years and just daily reminders. And if anything, just building a mindset that, yes, one day, not one day it's going to happen, but I I, because I think it's happening every single day, Mm -hmm. just not to the level of expectation that I would like it to be. But it doesn't mean that it's not working. So I just I want to applaud you for that. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me here, and I look forward to reconnecting again this Thursday on our weekly show, Just a Squirrel. Looking for not trying to
1: get out of this rut. Great conversations.
0: Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google, so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you next time.